What's up everybody, Coach Rob here. Yet again, another YouTube video, as promised, back in the saddle. And I've got videos lined up for months into the future. I just haven't planned them yet, but I will. I will jot down some notes because there's lots to talk about. And I know this because, funny story, um, I've been coaching for now nearly 30 years. It's a long time. A long time. But anyway, um, I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, when you are in the same business, you're in the same line of work and you're, you know, been for the most part self-employed for the greater majority of that time, you're always trying to find ways to to broaden your your horizons and to be able to reach out and do more and help more people and be more available and, and offer more to those out there who want to put their faith and trust in you as a coach and a trainer. And there have been things that I have done over the years that I thought this idea is going to be the greatest thing I've ever done. It's going to set the entire fitness and training world on its ear. It will be revolutionary and crickets. Then I will get an idea or maybe something is recommended to me by a friend or a family member or a peer or a client. And I think to myself, eh, maybe, eh, maybe I don't know. And then I do it and then it absolutely goes insane. And two of those have been online training, which I started doing reluctantly really back in about 2018. I had a handful of people that I worked with and I did it old school. I would talk to them on the telephone. Uh, I would send PDF files to them. We would do updates on the phone, exchange a lot of emails back and forth, do you know updates that way, exchange photos and stuff. And then after the kooky, nutso, craziness, insanity of 2020, well then, you know, probably only good thing that came out of that complete shit show was that, you know, my online business exploded. And that was a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I, I, I got all high tech. I went app based, I, you know, changed the way I did things. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. And now online training is the majority of what I do. And it's been extremely rewarding. It's been a ton of fun and I really enjoy it. And recently it was suggested by a peer a, as well as a client that I offer just, just consultations. And I started thinking about that and I thought to myself, you know what? It, so many things get lost in translation when you're just exchanging messages back and forth, like on a messenger app or on even on my app, email and what have you. And then I thought, you know what? It seems that when I do have legitimate conversations with people, that's when, you know, we all get a, a serious dose of clarity and we can really it, it really allows both individuals on both sides to really zoom in and 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 really understand what's needed because when you have an intimate conversation with somebody and especially if you can see them you know like in a zoom chat which is the way I do it um it just it just changes everything and so I started doing consultations a couple months ago and it just has absolutely went completely nuts 
it went, it's gone bonkers. I'm doing these things nearly every single day, except for Sunday because I have to rest um, and spend time with my family and do, you know, projects. And like yesterday, today's Monday, yesterday was Sunday. I was building front porch steps, important shit. Keeps Mrs. Goodwin very happy. Anyway, um, so I'm doing a ton of these consults, long story short, and it's been nothing short of amazing, extremely rewarding. Um, I've met so many cool people. I've discovered things about current clients, because if you're a gold client, you know, on my coaching platforms, uh, one of the things that I offer, probably the best thing I offer is my gold package. And now you get Zoom consultations and check-ins as part of the gold membership package. And for those who have taken advantage of that, it's been fantastic. And I've really gotten to know my clients so much better, so much more intimately. I, I really have a more clear understanding of what they're trying to do. And I've also started doing a 90-minute consultation to anyone out there who wants to do it to, to schedule that consult with me. It's available on my website. And, you know, we basically just sit and talk through what they want to do, where they've been, where they've been going, the challenges that they've faced. And then I get an opportunity to just kind of express, here's what I've done, you know, based on those questions. And maybe with the clients that I've worked with who've had similar, you know, uh, difficulty or uh, different or, or, or maybe similar circumstances in their lives or lifestyles, uh, what has worked. And then we just can kind of work through the process and get a clearer understanding of what's needed. And sometimes that hour and a half con consultation, that hour and a half conversation can do so much more good than just exchanging a couple of emails. So anyway, if you have an interest in that, that's on robgoodwin.com, bum, boom, whatever. Anyway, so what I'm going to do today is kind of uh, what inspired me to do this video is the last couple of consults I'd, I've done have been more on their curiosity of how I did my programming for myself specifically and my clients who wanted more of a, of a hypertrophy driven body composition exchange oriented ketogenic bodybuilding hybrid protocol that I've done for many, many years and what I did through my competitions because, you know, these particular people wanted to know the nuances and the, and the, and the philosophy behind it and some of my experiences because they wanted to try some of that themselves. And, you know, immediate disclaimer, you don't have to be somebody that wants to compete to do this stuff. You know, I do this type of protocol with dozens of clients who will never stand on stage. They just want to be the best genetic version of themselves that they can possibly be. And if these people don't have, you know, severe metabolic disorders and or they're not, you know, m massively, you know, obese or have a ton of body fat to lose, they're just the kind of people that you're going to stumble onto in any freaking gym in America, because I've been doing this a long time, I've seen it a thousand times. If you walk into any gym in America and you approach 80% of the people in there training and ask them, have you gotten everything out of this program that you uh, expected when you started? And most people are frustrated and say no. And that's why so many people quit after such a short period of time. So sometimes it's good to hear and get an idea of what others have done and, and you know, understand not only the mechanics 
but the overall philosophy. Because here's a key point in this video, because all I've been doing is kind of rambling up to this point, but it's important rambling. The path is often more important than the plan. The path is more important than the plan itself. Here's what I mean. If I had an elevator speech, just the amount of time that you would ride with a complete stranger on an elevator up several floors, or even better, I'm sitting at a bar and somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you're that guy, yes, that's me. What can I do or what should I do to be the best genetic version of myself possible? I wanna build muscle, burn body fat, look great, feel great, you know, be that beast. What do I need to do? Oh, I got you covered. I would then grab a bar napkin and I would write down about five things. And I would slide that bar napkin onto that new friend of mine and I would say, do those things, and that's all you need. That will be the wholesale change that you need to be the best possible genetic version of yourself that you can possibly be. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I wanted you to think this, because it's obvious. It's not that damn easy. The ideology, the philosophy, the plan is pretty simple. But putting it into motion, the path is harder than the plan. So it's about navigating that path. And oftentimes when I do these consults or I do my gold package coaching, most of my time is spent navigating rough terrain with my clients and helping them navigate the challenges that may come and face them. Talking people off fucking ledge. I did that just this morning with a client and it made all the difference in the world. That's the kind of relationship that people are looking for. I am, well, let me back up. One of the best compliments that I've ever received, and I've gotten a handful of times and recently in doing these consultations, is that people like the fact that I'm going to tell you what I think is going to work regardless of how many clicks and follows and likes and blah, blah, blah that I get. There are other influencers out there, and they're, they're good people. I like them. I follow a lot of them. Interesting stuff. I dig it. I'm on board with a lot of what they say. However, a lot of these consultations, people are coming to me because they have worked with or consulted with said influencer, and that influencer, it seemed to them, they, they kind of decoded this shit without having to say it, it seemed like there was no deviation from their path plan or ideology, even if that may have helped the individual. What do I mean? Once again, I am not, I have no weird emotional attachments to this shit. I'm not beholden to carnivore. I'm not beholden to keto or bodybuilding or any ideology that has a name. In fact, I've switched nearly everything I do just to my name, Rob Goodwin Fitness. Why? Because everybody's a little different. And if there's one thing, if there's one way I've evolved over the years, it's to truly understand, hey, do what's best for the individual 
and it doesn't have to be this super dogmatic shit. So what these people have expressed what they like about my style is, is I'm not going to get just entrenched in an ideology that I refuse to deviate from, even though it might help a certain individual out. So anyway, um, how do I approach, or what was my basic umbrella strategy for my hybrid ketogenic bodybuilding, or you know, the way that I trained and, and manipulated nutrients and training and recovery when I was competing, or what would I do for somebody whose overriding goal was improved body composition, more muscle, less fat, aesthetic goals, they want to look a certain way for a certain whatever, whether it be a contest, a, a photo shoot, or a family reunion, or just to look badass at the beach this summer, or next summer, whatever. So what would I do if they fell under the umbrella of the type of person that would qualify to do that style of program? Okay, let's walk through it. And this might end up being two or three parts because I've already spent a lot more time on just this intro than, than I intended to, but that's, that's what I do. I often go off into the weeds on rants because that's, that's just, that's just how I am. Anyway. Um, so my ketogenic bodybuilding, and I'm going to call it that just for lack of a better freaking term. Because yes, I, I am, I, I will always be lower carb to low carb and sometimes no carb. Depends on the damn day and it depends on what I'm doing. And I'm gonna tell you right now, here's another key moment in this video. Carbs are not the devil. I'm really starting to get tired of that. I'm very low carb. And with carbs, it's about the minimum effective dose based on whatever your goals are to bring about a certain change that you're looking to, or, you know, it's a tool. And I've said this for years. If this isn't your first time listening to me, then you know this. If this is your first time listening to me, or if it's been more recent, then understand, remember something I said way back in the day that got me in a lot of trouble with all those keto zealots out there and gets me in trouble today with these carnivore cultists, which I love you guys. I'm probably 80% carnivore myself hypercarnivores, I like to call it, is ketogenic diets, whatever, it's not about high fat. It's about low carb, but it doesn't have to be no carb. And I will also say, well, let, let me save that one. I got a few nuggets. So I'll save them for the bulk of the nutrition portion of this video, which we'll get into right now. So some broad strokes, because everybody's different. Everybody hates it when I say that. They, they want specifics. Tell me exactly what to do. Listen, Pumpkin, I can't tell you exactly what to do because I don't know you. I'm talking to a camera right now, okay? So I need to know you, so do a consult. There, shameless plug. Hire me as your freaking coach. Let me help you, and it doesn't have to be forever. You might need some personal attention, or you may get just enough from this video or a handful of my videos to do everything that you need to do to accomplish whatever your goals may be, and I think that is freaking awesome. I have done my service to humanity. Okay, so when I am scoping out or, 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 or developing a blueprint for myself or for a client who falls under the criteria that I have mentioned previously, in the nutrition realm, let's get back to that bar napkin. You want to definitely prioritize protein. 
prior, prioritize protein. In my world, you don't prioritize fat. Some of the people out there that you listen to may say it's all about fat. Whatever, that's fine. And that may apply to some people. I don't know many people who it does apply to. And I'm not a high fat carnivore keto guy. Uh, I adjust fat intake to my individual goals and output at that time. So back to the bar napkin. Number one, prioritize protein. Make sure that is your key macronutrient that you're putting the greatest amount of emphasis on. And that is primarily, if not 100%, coming from animal-based sources. Meat, eggs, fish, you know? Poultry. Yes, I eat chicken. That's become a new one, too. Apparently, if, you're going, if you eat chicken, you're going to die. Whatever. If you don't want to eat chicken, don't eat it. But I eat chicken, and I think it's just fine. So prioritize protein, number one. And I generally, generally, now this would differ by the individual, that's usually somewhere around 1.2 grams of protein per pound of goal body weight. Goal body weight? Yeah. Um, but that's a different thing too. I don't like by going, I don't completely like going by lean mass because you really do have to add some additional onto that to really get a clear understanding of where that individual is trying to get to in, in terms of body fat levels and that stuff. I've, I've done better with working with the individual to determine what a goal body weight would be at a certain level of body fat and then basing the protein consumption around that. Now you gotta understand, I'm going to be recommending that you're training hard in the gym or in your home gym or wherever the hell so protein requirements are going to be crucial. Roughly 1.25 grams of protein per pound of goal body weight. Now that could be greater or less depending on the individual. That's, you know, I make that call once I get to know the individual that I'm working with or that wants to know. Then I'm going to make sure that fat is your dominant energy source. And I like fat being the dominant energy source because, you know, we live in a, in a time in our existence where... Men are severely depleted of testosterone production. You know, your typical 25-year-old male in 2023 has testosterone levels of an 80-year-old from 60 years ago. It's just gotten pathetic and ridiculous. And there's tons of reasons why that's happening. And that's for another video. This culture is broken and we need to try to fix it from the inside out. Another video. So we'll save it. But dietary fat's going to be the key because it's going to help make sure that we regulate hormonal processes efficiently and keep that regulated to an optimal level. And so I like, uh, you know, I like a hypercarnivore diet. So protein and fat, those numbers both dialed into that athlete's own uh, genetic makeup, their training output, their, their training history, age, gender. There's, an, there's a long list of things that we have to consider when setting protein and fat requirements for that individual. Are they trying to gain muscle? Are they trying to get shredded and lose fat? It all makes a difference. So prioritize protein. We bring in fat according to your level of output and whatever your goals are at that time. And that leaves a small amount 
available for carbohydrate intake. Now, carbs. That's a tricky one because it's going to change based on the individual. You hate it when I say that. I know that. You just will give me the numbers. I don't have the numbers for you, but we can get we can get it close. So the way I do my nutrition, if I'm working with an athlete, especially if you're wanting to compete or if you have a goal date in mind, I like to be able to say, you know, if you are if you're at a relatively, you know, decent level of body fat. So if you're a man and you're, you know, under 20, you know, preferably 14, 15 percent, maybe whatever or less uh, or a woman, if you're, you know, under 25 percent, you know, or less, then I'm going to try to slowly start making adjustments in the reduction of energy intake at around 24 weeks. What does that mean? From 24 weeks to the goal date is going to be your slow cascading titration down in effective intake of nutrients as we get a cl closer to your goal date. So calories, five people just passed out because I said calories. Yeah, it's a hot topic. And yes, the calories in, calorie. Th this is a quick side moment in the video. I'll come right back, I promise. Yes, the calories in, calories out model that a lot of people think is a religion is bullshit. Let me just go ahead and make that clear. I'm on board with that. However, we live in a culture where so many things are determined in terms of how you track things by calories. Now, yes, you can go by mass, you can go by weight and volume of food and these things, and that's perfectly fine if you choose to do that. I'm on board with that 100%. But I still do use calories with most of my clients because they understand that the number is not necessarily accurate, but we can use it to measure success. Does that make sense? So if we determine that number off the top of my head for Joe Blow, if we determine that based on how they have eaten and, and the relative changes that have occurred over the course of maybe four to six weeks, have led me to believe that 2,150 calories is going to have them in you know, enough of a deficit to slowly burn body fat efficiently without going too deep and tanking hormonal output and energy production. And so let's say that that's that number. Then that's the number we're going to use in terms of them tracking to get to that level. Doesn't mean that it's actually that number. We don't know how many calories, units of heat are being expelled in any individual. There's no way to properly track that. Anybody that tells you that you can is crazy. So I can, but we can still use it as a method of progress. As long as everybody understands that that's all it really is, but it can still be effective. We can still use that tool and make it work clearly. I have gotten people absolutely freaking shredded by using calories as the method of tracking to establish how much volume of intake is being consumed 
relative to how much training output is being accomplished. So we can, we can figure that shit out. It's not that hard. So I think too many are beating this dead horse about that. Now, I, once again, the people that say calories are bullshit, calories in, calories out is wrong. They're exactly right. But when I'm working with a client one-on-one, -on -one, we can still use that method of numerical, I don't even know what the hell you would call it. We can still use it. There, is that, is that better? I need to stop trying to be fancy with this and just tell you, look, we can still fucking use calories, all right? It's not a big deal, it's not a deal breaker. So anyway, so if somebody's wanting to get shredded and change that body composition, then I like to, I like to have 24 weeks if I can. If not, then we'll jump in wherever we have to and we'll push the gas pedal down, we'll figure the numbers out and we'll push hard towards the goal. So at 24 weeks, what I do is I just start cleaning up the diet. Clean up the sloppiness, get rid of all the crap, get to a more systematic way of eating. I give you a food list, you need to eat these foods on a regular basis. We're going to get a rough estimate of just how much of this food you need to, need to take in relative to the amount of training that I have you doing. And then we slowly titrate down as we go because if you go too deep too soon, you'll tank your hormones, you'll go too deep and everything freaking unravels and falls apart. And that's what happens to long-term chronic dieters. That's why it doesn't work or they end up binging or whatever. So at 24 weeks, I like to start. Then I typically make another adjustment at around 16 weeks. And then at 12 weeks, we start to go pretty hard on the cut. That's when the hard cut, as I call it, will really start to take place. And then we reevaluate again at six weeks out, and then we start driving towards peak week, which is the final week before the competition, the photo shoot, the family reunion, the beach trip, the cruise, whatever. And then we do some other bits of manipulation and voodoo to make sure that we're maximizing your physique to look as badass as it possibly can at that moment in time for you. So that's how I would start to work on your nutrition. So back to the bar napkin, prioritize protein. Fat is going to be relative to your output and your goals at that time. Then we get to carbohydrates. This is where people start throwing things at the screen. Carbohydrates are not the enemy. They are for some. They are for the metabolically broken. They are for the carb-addicted human. Just like some people can drink a little alcohol here and there and be fine, some people can never have another drink ever again because it starts them on a dark path that leads to complete breakdown and ultimately death. So yeah, there are some people that I work with that can't have any carbs. We have to keep it as low as humanly possible and then we have to determine the sources of those carbs and what can be tolerated and what cannot. And I have some clients that are nearly zero, total, total carnivores. That's what they like, that's what they dig and I think that's totally cool. You don't have to, however, a little bit of carbohydrate manipulated properly can be a beneficial tool. And here is, drum roll, my sort of final on carbs. Carbs are not needed by the human body to sustain life. 
We know that. However, if we eat them, it's not like it's going to be a death sentence for you. Some people, yes. Many people, no. Some, not at all. I noticed years ago that when I greatly reduced or diminished my level of carbohydrate intake and cut out the simple sugars and the processed shit, things got better. And then when I got rid of most, most grains, it got even better. When I got rid of beans, it got even better. And it just kept getting better and better and better. When I came up with my hybrid bodybuilding nutrition protocol to maximize lean mass to body fat ratio and with an aesthetic goal in mind while still trying to maintain as much level of health as humanly possible, I use carbohydrates to those that can tolerate them or don't mind using them, but it's a very small amount. I prefer to use carbohydrates around training, and here's why. There's no need to eat carbohydrates three hours after a workout, and there's really no need to eat carbohydrates three hours prior to a workout. Um, but let me back up. I'm not sure that it is beneficial to be in very long-term ketosis. I don't think it's necessary. And for some, it might not be the best idea. For some, you might get some electrolyte imbalances. Some people just don't react that well to zero carb. And I've worked with multiple, multiple people who a little bit of carb timed properly, the right types and amounts, can be a beneficial thing. Okay, so I just want to get, make that clear. So I'm going to use myself as an example with carbs. So when I was all, you know, Mr. Ketogenic back in 2010 is when I went full ketogenic, just kind of doing my own thing, minding my own business. Then I decided I was going to compete and try to do it at the highest level I could in 2014. Then I started developing my plan, which has evolved over the years. And that plan helped me be, you know, very successful uh, in bodybuilding competition as a man in his late 40s and early 50s. Um, so what I did here, here was my mentality, my philosophy, and here's my why I found, and I believe that it's great to have an efficient level of metabolic flexibility, the ability to switch from different fuel sources, you know, as they come across your path. I like to be in a fat burning metabolism most of the time but I don't think there's anything wrong with bumping out of that and taking advantage of a small window of glucose metabolism. So I like to take in carbs around training and I think it's the perfect time. So I work out at 11 a.m. Clearly, you watching this, everybody works out at different times, but I work out at 11 a.m. I'm using myself as, as an example. So I will have a certain level of carbohydrate roughly 30 minutes before I train. Now, back in my competition years, which was 2014 to 2021, I would take in roughly, roughly 30 grams of carbohydrates before I would go through a very difficult high-intensity training session. Here's what's happening, 
And here is my logic concerning the benefits of some carbs around training if you can tolerate them. Is that a good enough dis disclaimer? By taking in that carbohydrate 30 minutes before I train, when I started doing my heavy training session, then yes, I would be using glucose and glycogen to fuel muscular contractions during that workout. I found that it gave me a little extra bump in intensity and the ability to go through a very, very difficult training session. I did fine with that, using that fuel source. Here's the other thing. People in the keto carnivore world love to jump all over insulin as being the most horrific thing to happen since Hitler. With insulin, it's not how much insulin you produce or how little insulin you produce. It's about finding the precise amount required to gain benefit. And while insulin is a storage hormone, clearly, it's also an anabolic hormone that has its benefits. So rather than having a constant tidal wave of insulin coming in all throughout the day, which is clearly not beneficial and can be quite damaging, I would have a bump in insulin around training, which is anabolic, and I would take advantage of that little insulin spike while I was working out, which would also, you know, trickle in post-workout during that fight or flight period of time during hard resistance training. So it's kind of taking advantage of how the human body works from a physiological level around that point in my day to benefit me as being a physique competitor and wanting to maximize my lean mass as well as my body fat reduction. And you know, not only did I want to maintain as much lean mass as humanly possible, but if I could try to add a little bit more. So there was going to be no stone left unturned to make sure that that took place. So I would take in a roughly 30 grams. Now your, your, your amount may vary. I have people on 10 grams. I have people on you know, 60 grams. I would take in that roughly 30 grams of carbohydrate 30 minutes before training. I would use that as the fuel that fueled my muscular contractions through a very, very intense workout. I would get that little bump in insulin. It would pull me out of ketosis momentarily, which is fine. I think that's a good thing to do anyway. And then what else? What other benefit did I get from that little influx of carbohydrate? See, not only would I take in that 30 grams of carbohydrate, but I would also pump a bunch of sodium into, into my system as well prior to training, along with my pre-workout ritual. So for the physique competitor or anyone who's trying to assess their physique and get a real clear snapshot of where they are and where they're trending toward, when I was done training, I knew that I had to step on stage an X number of weeks ahead in front of a panel of judges and a thousand people in my underwear, you know, so I would want to assess my physique. So what happens when you do take in some carbs and sodium and then go lift heavy? You're going to get a ridiculous pump. You're going to get this fullness in your muscle. The vascularity is going to be off the charts. And I know somebody's saying, you can get just as much if you just use salt. You can get a great pump with salt, but add that salt with some carbs. Holy moly, the pump is outrageous. And I just don't want to argue with those people. Trust me on this. Quick digression.
there are some keto bodybuilding coaches out there because I've worked with some people who used to use another coach and came to me who wouldn't allow their athletes to do a carb load at any point, but especially would not let them do a carb load before they went on stage. I think that is sheer lunacy. Because when you're about to go step on stage to try to win a medal, win a trophy, do something that will be with you for the rest of your life, where the goal, the number one goal, is to stand there and aesthetically be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And I'm telling you right now, if you are glucose depleted and you get backstage before you go out to compete or if you, before you go out to take your photo shoot or walk out onto the beach, if you systematically do a proper carb load and then do a handful of push-ups and dips, you're going to look like you're carved out of fucking wood. I can't imagine how I would have looked competing if I didn't do a systematic depletion and then that carb up systematic as well the Friday before and the morning of the show. I still was extremely low carb all the way up to that point. But I knew by taking in some carbs before I went on stage, was gonna be my best shot at standing toe to toe with those other guys. And I got really, really good at making myself look freaky for an hour, <laughs> you know? I did, I got really good at that shit. I got really good at maximizing separation, vascularity, fullness, and pump right before I went out on stage. And a lot of the guys backstage that talked to me were amazed to find out that, you know, I rarely ever took in more than 50 grams of carbs a day throughout the majority of my contest prep. I did a few refeeds and that's another, that's another video as well. But you know, by comparison, I was extremely low carb and in ketosis most of the time. But okay, back to the point. So carbs are not the devil. They are for some, just like alcohol in small amounts is okay for some, but alcohol for others is an absolute hard stop, no, never again. You just have to assess which athlete you are. And I can help you with that process. I did a phenomenal consult on Friday with this gentleman, and uh, me and and me and this gentleman had a phenomenal conversation and we, we meticulously walked through carbs and he feels very confident that a small inclusion of carbohydrate around training might be just the thing he needs to take things to another level for him. And I would agree. If you're a physique competitor or you're about to do a photo shoot or you're about to go walk out on the beach and you've been very carb depleted and you're following a low carb ketogenic or carnivore protocol, that's great. But I can give you a little, uh, I can give you a little bit of carb voodoo that's gonna make sure that you look the best that you possibly can. And to not do that with a competitor, just to be, be beholden to your strict ideology on carbs is a crime to them. But that's all I want to say about that. I suspect I will get a barrage of comments and nasty emails from people. But I'm used to that. If that's your thing, great. What do I always say? 
If it's working for you and you like that, don't change it. But if you feel like what you're doing is good, but you'd like to take it to optimal, then that's where I come in. That sounds a little cocky, but you know, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I am good at this shit. So there's one thing. <laughs> okay, so bar napkin back, let's, let's recap. Prioritize protein. Fat is according to your level of output, genetics, all these things come into play. And what period of time we're in on your timeline of progress, where you are and where you wanna be. It may change throughout. In fact, it will change throughout. You may be at this level of fat 24 weeks out, and you may be at this level of fat two weeks out. And it's, there's a lot of changes in between. Carbohydrate, I think works great for many in a specific amount at a specific time around training, especially. Sometimes pre-workout, sometimes post-workout, sometimes both, it depends on the individual. Meal frequency, I do like a little more meal frequency for the physique competitor. If you're rocking two meals a day and you're crushing it with that, great. You don't have to change that. Your results may vary. I have had clients and competitors come to me doing two meals a day and I got more out of them aesthetically for competition's sake by bringing their frequency up to four meals a day. There were times where I was competing, I was doing five meals a day. But that is going to vary by the individual and there are certain reasons I do that depending on who you are and you know, where your head's at. I find for some people having a little bit of clean food every few hours helps keep them sane Whereas some people like to do two meals a day because they find that that's the best way for them to not be tempted by cheating or nibbling on something. Because contrary to what most people believe, if you wander into the kitchen alone and you nibble on something and nobody saw you, it still counts. You know, those, those people, there are people out there that think that, oh, if I just take this nibble and nobody saw me do it, that didn't count. That's a real thing, by the way. So my bodybuilding hybrid ketogenic diet protocol, the, the thing that kind of put me on the interwebs and got me some level of notoriety as being known as a bit of a pioneer in the hard training with low carb sphere, call it keto, call it carnivore, call it hyper carnivore, call it whatever. That's what I did. And it works. And sometimes people just go way too damn deep and then their hormones are compromised. And then you're in a world of shit. So you have to be careful. It, it's about finding the precise amount required in terms of nutrient intake, division of macros, certain specific precise carb manipulation and writing that systematically, making changes as needed in the precise amounts required up or down to ultimately get you towards your goal. We still don't know the limits of the human body or exactly how certain things work. Clearly, we're, we're making new strides every single day. 
Here's a good example. And I'll close this. We'll call this part one. I had a client, and this has happened many times. I'm going to use this one example. I had a client, a female, and she was competing. She was in a contest prep, busting her ass, crushing it. This woman was amazing, is amazing. She was roughly six weeks out from her competition date. And she messaged me in a panic. Rob, nothing's moving. Nothing's moving. I, I, I can't. I haven't dropped a pound. I haven't dropped an ounce. I look exactly the same. I look flat. Nothing's happening. I, I, it's just complete stop. Hard dead stop. I said, okay, yeah, this happens. So here's what I want you to do, I said. Sent her a message, and I said, tonight, before you go to bed, I want you to get two rice cakes and drench them in honey and salt and eat those. And then I want you to get a big-ass banana, put a little bit more honey and salt on that bad boy, and devour that son of a bitch. Then drink a glass of water and go to bed. Her immediate reply was, are you out of your fucking mind? I'm trying to get better here. I've got a competition and you're telling me to pound carbs and sugar into my body before bed. Is this a joke? I said, no, just do it. Trust me. The next morning, I got up at roughly 4 a.m. to my best recollection. Shortly after that, I get a message from this client saying, I don't know what kind of voodoo horse shit this is, but I woke up this morning a pound and a half lighter, vascular as shit. I look fucking amazing and I feel phenomenal. And I said, yeah, I know. That's what would happen. This is why you did that. Make sense? You see where I'm going here? What was I supposed to tell her to do? You're fine. Just go to bed. She wasn't fine. We had to throw some freaking, you know, kindling on the damn fire. The body was shutting down. It was saying, we got to set the thermostat to just dysregulate anything, to shut this shit down. This is not a good thing. So I had to stoke the damn fire. I had to crank the thermostat up a little bit. So that's what we did. And it worked. And guess what? I've probably done that 10 times. It's worked every single time I've done it, including on me. Now, the key is you do something like that for a client or a competitor or whoever. Now, if they have some sort of an addiction and it's here and then you find them two days later in an alley covered in powdered sugar with empty donut boxes around them, panhandling for more donuts, then you know that they just weren't in the right place. It just wasn't for them. But I know when I have a hardworking competitor or hardworking client or somebody who is driven to a goal, they want to be the freak in the room and nothing's going to stop them. I don't worry about throwing that little hack into the mix because I know that they're going to do it exactly as advertised, exactly as prescribed. They're going to wake up the next day looking carved out of freaking steel and they're going to be happy, remotivated, and they can't wait to get to the gym where they will then at that point crap thunder 
and piss lightning. So, remember, kids, don't fall into what the dogmatic zealots would have you to believe that everyone falls under this umbrella and everyone must do this exact same thing and we will all be perfect. You're different, you're different, you're different, you're different in subtle ways. So peeling back the layers and determining how you're different and what we can do to maximize your effectiveness in changing your body well, that's what we need to uncover then, isn't it? I hope you've enjoyed this part one of my ketogenic bodybuilding hybrid protocol that I used for many years and I still use to this day for those who fall into this category of athlete or human or client or whatever. In the next video, we're going to talk about training. Yeah. High intensity training, baby. Oh, and this is gonna ruffle some feathers. This is gonna blow up some skirts. Why you need to do some cardio. Yeah, you do. Yeah, that's gonna drive some people crazy. So, I hope you've enjoyed this. Yeah, I'm back. Go to robgoodman.com. Hey, turns out I do coaching. I do consultations. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to work with you. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. Shoot me a message. Please leave a comment. Hit the subscribe button. I'd like to take this measly channel and work it up a little bit and be able to get this information out to more like-minded people who just may benefit from this kind of crazy stuff that I spew. So please share it, tell a friend. But more importantly, I want you guys until the next video and please stay tuned, hit the notification bell so you know when I upload the next one. Train hard, diet harder, but above all, do whatever it takes to have a great freaking day. Peace.